Thank you, worship team. I'd love to invite up Maya, who's going to lead us in our Bible reading this evening. Good evening, everyone. My name's Maya, and tonight I'll be reading from Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be his holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's graces that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time, times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also include and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now I'll invite John up and I'll pray for him. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here tonight at church together as a community and as a family. I just pray for the speaking and the listening tonight, that you will work in us, work in John, um, and sink your message into our hearts. We thank you that we can have John here with us tonight um, to spread your good, good news. Um, thank you that we can all be here and the freedom that we have there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mia. Matt, thank you for doing the um, Collingwood thing. <coughs> I was going to have a minute's silence, but we don't need to do that now, do we? I don't want to rub it in or anything. Must be a dreadful drive back from Sydney, don't you reckon? Long trip. Flags have gone inside the car. They're not hanging out. Sadness. And I, when I watched it the other night, I thought, one point. Oh, no. Here we go again, the Collywalls. Never mind, I don't want to be rude and horrible. I'm sure Lauren will tell me off tomorrow when we get together. But uh, <clears throat> evening, everybody. Good to be here. Good to be with you. We will enjoy the things of God together as we have been doing all night. Now, I, I, I want to start off by saying last week we talked for a moment about the nature of change in our society, the degree to which 
change has been rapidly overtaking us. Uh, we're in the middle of the third world revolution which involves computer and information technology that is traveling so fast that we can't keep up with it. We cannot keep our lives in contact with what's going on and we have to say to ourselves, what do I have to take me into the future? What do I do? Let a bit, let's forget about all the theoretical stuff for the time being, but let's focus our attention on what do I do to cope with what the future holds. <clears throat> Can I ask you to think for a moment about your DNA? That's the stuff your parents gave you, like uh, no hair. Uh, and, and other things like that. I see my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson walking like my father. And I think to myself, how in the world does that happen? But it's true. Now, you think about the DNA that you share. You have gifts, you have abilities, you have strengths, you have weaknesses. And if you are going to be, as a person of this world, moving on into the future with all of the change, you are going to take with you everything that your DNA provides, every single thing. You're going to be able to use everything that you have to go into the future. But I want to ask you, is that enough? Is that enough? I mean, you've got the personal characteristics that come because mum and dad are who they are and you are now who you are. You've got the values that they've instilled into you and so that controls to some extent how you deal with the world that we're involved in. You have a perspective on life that comes from your family of origin and all of that informs what you're going to do to get into the next few years. It's going to tell you what to do and how to go about it. There are starting resources that you get from your family of origin. There are skills and abilities and there are interest-based for you to be able to move on into the things of life. Is that enough? Are they going to be able to get you through? So when we talk about one birth certificate, we note the family of origin, we've got the parents there and where they come from and if you wanted to chase that back through history you'd be able to locate the historical background and come up with some dreadful stories about what happened to your forebears and all that sort of stuff but let me ask you is that enough I'm not convinced it is but I want to say to you especially for those of you who have decided to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour you have two birth certificates you have two birth certificates. One of them says, my father is Alfred Smith and Ruth Kent Walker uh, was my mother. Those are the characteristics. One of them says all of that, where I was born, what year I was born. The other one says, child of the living God. Child of the living God. You belong to him, lock, stock and barrel, because he bought you on the cross. And you have come to him and said to him, Lord, I can't do it on my own. How can I do it with you as my saviour? And he says, well, look at the birth certificate. Look at the birthright and begin to think for yourself what it means to actually go into this life of the future with the birth certificate in your hand. Figure it out. Let me show you what you take with you. Not theoretically. This is not just theory. Of course, there's theory involved in it. But this is 
the practical reality of what I do, the resources I use, how I go about it, how I'm about the business of living. How do I do that? How do I cope with the pressures of the future in my circumstances? Well, I better press this a bit, don't I? Family of origin. Two birth certificates. In this passage, Paul outlines first, first of all, our birthright. Who we are as the children of the living God. The living God is your, you are his daughter. When he watched you being born, according to Psalm 139, he looked at you and he said, wow, what a job I've done with that one. And boys, he looked at you and said, he's a ripper. I can't do better than that. He says, that child's mine. That one belongs to me. And in due course, because I know the future, I know that that, one will chip, that person will step out and take my hand and come to me in faith and allow me to lead them on. They won't be pre-selected by chucking half the community away. He'll say, I know who's going to do what. Now, let's, let's think about this a bit. He talks to us about our birthright and he talks to us about what our behaviour is going to look like in relation to our life. What is, what's it going to be like? The passage concerns... Whoops, let's go backwards. This passage concerns the heritage of the chosen ones. That's you. You're the chosen ones. What do you take into life? Well, you take into your DNA, you take into life the second birth certificate. First of all, we belong, verse 13 and 14. You belong. For those of us who come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the, the temptation is to believe, am I quite there? Am I, am I, does he really love me? Does he, did he really die on the cross for me? Does he, does, he, does he care about me? Well, Paul says the first thing you need to know is that you belong. You are home. Christianity is not what you do. Christianity is what you are. It is your character. It is your completeness. Everything that you are is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Every choice you make is built on the notion that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have an adoption certificate marked with three stamps. This second adoption certificate has three stamps on it. And you have a look at that. If this doesn't confirm in your heart and mind that you're carrying not just a set of useful information from your family DNA... This is what you carry from the master. Included in Christ. And we talked about this last week. You are included in Christ. He has taken you into the heart of the Trinity. He has allowed you to experience the fullness of a relationship with the living God. And he has said to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will carry you all the way. I will look after you. I will allow you to be my disciple and I will choose you to be the one who serves with me. Secondly, he marks us with a guarantee. If we doubt it, he says, I'll put a guarantee in your heart. You, you, you look for a bit, you'll find it. And it's not just a stamp like you get through uh, going overseas. It is a person. He says, I have planted the stamp of my existence in your heart and the stamp of my existence is my Holy Spirit and he has brought your spirit alive and he is the guarantee that everything we're about to talk about is yours. 
everything we're going to talk about is yours and more. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is how we go about it. And the preaching team over the next few weeks is going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about who we are. What do we do to go into an age which is going to absolutely challenge us? We are, thirdly, possessions of the Father. Possessions of the Father. We belong to Him. He is our Lord. He is our Master. And He knows every hair on our head. He knows every dream we have. He knows every heartache we have. He follows through on all the grief of our lives and walks side by side with us right the way through the lot. He knows about the challenges we face. He knows about the disciplines of what we need to be. That's just a bit. He goes through it all. He is our Father. He is our Father. Now, I know some of you will struggle with that because Dad hasn't been the best model for you. He is the Father, not a Father. He is the Father. Secondly, we inherit His provisions. We inherit His provisions. Every spiritual blessing. Everything that you need to be, He has provided. In fact, he says to you, by the way, I have uh, I put a series of gifts in your heart. I put a series of gifts and abilities uh, and they are there to be used for you, by you for the kingdom's sake. They are there to be used for the church. They are there for you. And I, I direct traffic through you in terms of the, the use of those gifts and I give to society through you. He says, every spiritual blessing that you need, every spiritual blessing that you need, I will deal with. Let me give you an example. I had a phone call yesterday from one of my cousins in Toowoomba. He said, John, I'm sorry to tell you this, but my sister's son, who's been estranged from the family, committed suicide yesterday. Now, I had to ring up my cousin and say to her, my heart is for you. I ache for you. She, she said, where can I go? What can I do? What, how do I help this? I said, go to the one who has for all of you all the spiritual blessings that you need. Everything that you need, whatever circumstance you go through, he is there providing every single thing you need. So often we travel the road into our futures and leave him behind. But he says, look, I've got for you every spiritual blessing. I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will explain to you what needs to be done. I will help you. I will sustain you. I will provide the finances you need to do the things you need to do. And he says, you're, you're appointed to be holy and blameless. That's who you are. That's what you're supposed to be. Holy is set aside for God. Now, I don't want to think for a moment of a church which is so set aside, which is so holy that it's useless in the world. That is not what that is saying. It is saying, you are set apart for my service and for my purpose in the world, and I will use you to do the things that need to be done in this, in this world of ours. I will appoint you as ambassador of my kingdom in the world. And I will choose you to do the things that you need to be doing. I will rely on you. I can do it all myself. 
but I'm going to do it through you so that you will discover what it means to be formed into the character of Jesus, so that you will know what it means to pay the price. Jesus said, there is a price to pay, yes. You look at me. They crucified me. And if you try and work in the world in a way that is seriously in line with the kingdom of God, they may well do that to you too. But he says to you, you have all the spiritual blessings. You have been appointed holy and blameless. What's that last one mean? I often think about people who are Christians who cannot leave behind their sin. And they have a backpack that they carry around in their, on their backs. And in their backpack, they carry the sins of their past. And the weight gets heavier and heavier as you go through life. The load gets more difficult as you remember things that you're ashamed of. And Jesus says to us, if you have sinned, come to me, confess your sin, and I will forgive you, I will heal you, and I will recreate you, and I will take away your sin. That's the spiritual blessing. This is a life, isn't it? This is a life to lead that takes us on into the future. You can't do it on the, on the DNA of your family origins. You have to have this to get through. The purpose of our lives is to work out his intentions for us. The purpose of our lives is never us. It's never us. It's not ever been about who you might be. It's not ever been what success you might have. It's not ever been about how much money you might have. If you want to understand what success is, say to yourself, what is success according to Jesus? What does he think success is? Where does he want the attention to be? He wants the attention to be drawn to himself through you. It's not about you. It's about you holding his hand in the dance of life so that the world might see who he is. Look what he does with those, with those kids Look what he does with those adults, those families that are breaking down. Look how he cares for them. Look how he looks after them. In the scriptures it says, look at those people in that church. How they love one another. The things they do for one another. Now let me tell you, you might say, oh that's normal in the world. Everybody helps out everybody else. I want to say to you, that's not, that's not normal at all. In the church of the living God, where people say to one another, I'm here to serve you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to bless you, I'm here to help you financially, I'm, help, I'm here to, to teach you the things that are wonderful, that's not of this world. That's of our God. So we work out the persons of our lives for, for his intention. And so there are things, things that we need to say. First of all, we are to be holy and blameless in his sight. There is no stronger reason than this, that disciple and discipline are the same root word. There is in our faith the walk of faith, the walk of obedience, the walk of discipline and a preparedness to say, I will give over what I consider to be my own rights and I will give my life into the hands of Jesus and I will do the best I can to be holy for him. I will do the best that I can to be blameless for him. And when I mess up, 
when I drop over and skin my nose and skin my, my knees, I go back to him and say, Lord, I've done it again. I don't know how you can forgive me this time. That was pretty stupid. And he says, do you know how much I love you? Do you know, do you know how much I love you? Didn't you see me on the cross? Didn't you see my blood coming out? Didn't you see my body broken for you? I was there for you. I did all that for you and I bring you healing. I bring you forgiveness and I send you into the future as one of my disciples. We don't have to be perfect. We have to be honest about ourselves with the master. We are there to be the evidence of his grace. How God treats us is transparent to the world. People whose sin are forgiven. Every person in the world is welcome in this church. Every single person. There is not one person, whatever their problem, whatever their faith, whatever their difficulty, who is not welcome at the feet of Jesus. Because he says to us, I will make you whole. I will heal you. I will forgive you. I will make you my child. And you'll see, you'll be the evidence of my grace. People will look at you and say, wow, I didn't, I, I didn't think that was going to happen. How could anybody be forgiven for doing that? How could anybody be forgiven for doing that? Now, the, there are corollaries to all that. But the truth is, in this case, how can Jesus forgive us for some of the stuff we get up to? The world sees us and says, yeah, that's pretty normal. And we say, no, it's not. The master has forgiven me and he set me up to be clean and pure and complete again. We are to be the receivers of his grace. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness. Self-control, laughter. Some people used to think you're not allowed to laugh in church. Well, my, my opinion is that God is uh, the one who created laughter and if I'm going to be serious about being in his, his presence, then I need to learn how to laugh. I need to learn how to love. I need to learn how to let the barriers down. I need to learn how to rejoice in his goodness. Just relax in the majesty of who he is. And he says, I, I, I'll show you my grace. I'll show it to you. I'll give you my grace day by day, all day. That's how you're going to go into the future. This is the stuff in the family, in the family tradition that you're going to need. You can't do it with your DNA. You can only do it with this stuff, with what God has done for us to receive the forgiveness of sins, sins through the blood of Christ. To receive for your rebellion against God, retrieval. To be able to operate knowing that if I have sinned, when I'm serious about being forgiven, I appeal to the blood of Jesus and his blood covers me and I'm set free. And the father looks at me and says, what a beautiful girl that is. What a beautiful God that is. Because the blood of Jesus has covered. You need this into the future. This is, what you, this is where you need to live. Now, <clears throat> how many people in our world know the his mystery of history? 
and we know the basics of it in a way that the rest of the world doesn't know, you think that because we know some of these things, everybody out there knows it. it they don't. There's coming a time when Jesus Christ will appear in the heavens. There will be a trumpet, a trumpet sound. He will draw from the earth those who have died and have been buried, hundreds of years old. They will be raised to the, from the dead. They will meet him in the skies. Those of us who are still alive will be meeting him in the skies and we will go together with him into the, the place which we call heaven, which I personally regard as being the location of our intimacy with Jesus where we see him face to face, where he recognises us and where we live with him for eternity. People in our world don't know that. But more than that, there's more than that. There is what he is going to do through you and me every day, every moment, everything I do, he's going to come and live with me and talk with me. He's going to, in, in bed at night when I can't get to sleep, he's going to come alongside and say, how you doing? can't sleep oh well let me talk about so and so do you know how much I love you <laughs> do you know how much I love you can't say it often enough we are to experience God's power now this is a significant part for answering the question what do I need to move into the future what do I need to cope with the future these are the things that are your family heritage not your DNA, but these are the characteristics that you walk around with as being a disciple of Jesus Christ. God works everything out in accordance with his, his will. Who's in charge? Who's the boss? Why God himself. Jesus Christ, his son. The Holy Spirit who lives in you. He's going to work everything out according to his purposes. He'll do whatever he chooses to do. You can kick up as much as you like. You can attack Ukraine. You can go and be a Pol Pot and destroy the world. You can do all of that. And the master will still say, I will tell you what I will do. Check out what his will is for you. And then it's a fait accompli. Check out what he's saying. He says to us, if you ask for anything in my name, I will give it to you. Now, let's look at that just for a moment. What it means that having had a conversation with him about what his intentions are, when we hear from him and hear, have him say to us, this is what I want to do, then we say to him, Lord Jesus, will you give that to me? He said, yes, I just identified it and said I'd give it to you. So I will. God works out everything in accordance with his will. Operating in us to make us be for his praise. Here's an important idea. It is not about us. Life is not about you. The presence of the living God is not about you. You are about him. He lives in you so that he might light you up like an electric bulb so that the world might see who God is through you. Look at what he's able to do with an average person like me, you might say. Well, I certainly say. Operating us to make us be for his praise. People look at us and say, well, <laughs> he must be good if he can turn Charlie Brown into that. To make us contributors to the historical sweep of his work, 
you realise, of course, I'm quoting directly from Ephesians here, don't you? I haven't put the verses down, but this is, these are direct quotes. Uh, my interpretation of this is this. God is developing a massive tapestry which over time he knits and intertwines and it's the tapestry of the world which I wonder sometimes whether he won't display in eternity. And in that tapestry there are a few threads that have your name on it. Where he has knitted through you where he has changed the world through you, where he's made the world better through you, where he's allowed the world to see wonder and joy and laughter and fun and freedom rather than the hideous sin of our world. He's allowed the world to see through you the majesty of his grace, the majesty of his grace. He makes you the contributor. Now, as I said before, he can do it on his own. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. But he says... I have created you to be like that with me and I will through eternity do things with you and through you. I will never leave you out. I will never take my spirit away from you. To share with him the secret knowledge of the fulfilment of history. Well, we talked about that before. That is one of the power things of our world. God will do that. It's a certainty. When we step into the future, we know that one of these days, Jesus is going to return. And we play our lives to the truth of that. We play our lives to the reality and the truth that God is coming back. One day, we will see him face to face. One day, he will look at us and say, you're the one I've been dancing with. You're the one who's, who's following me in the dances of life. You're the one who stepped out with me. Welcome home. Welcome home. Bless you. He sees your face and you'll see his face. You won't be ashamed. He say, I love you. Hey? Don't you reckon? You see, you can't go into the future on the basis of your own DNA. You need the resources of where you belong in God. Come dance with him. Come dance with him and, and let him turn you into the wonderful person he intended from the very beginning. What a birthright. Amen.